helping realtors on Vancouver Island stay connected, current, and on the cutting edge. This is the Vancouver Island Real Estate Show. Here's your host, Braden Wheatcroft. Hello, good morning. This is the Vancouver Island Real Estate Show, and I'm your host, Braden Wheatcroft. Man, oh man, I am so excited for today's conversation. Uh, I'm going to be uh, getting an opportunity to pick the brain of someone who's been a good friend of mine for a number of years and, and a colleague now for about three years. In fact, one of my claims to fame is uh, I was actually Jason Samar's realtor at one point. So either all of Jason's success is attributed to you know him working with me or I gave him an incredible example of what not to do when selling real estate. I'll, I'll let him answer which one it is, but I'm, I'm certain it's one of them. Uh, for those of you who don't know Jason Samard, uh, he's been licensed with Remax and Nimo now for, I believe, just under three years. And in that amount of time, it's frankly incredible the amount of things that he's been able to accomplish. Uh, he started off as an individual agent, quickly uh, hired an assistant, started heavy in the marketing, heavy in the video, was doing a lot of things in the market that you know, wasn't necessarily the first person to do it, but he certainly uh, was one of the first people to perfect it. And now, you know, just a few years later, he has 10 members on his real estate team. So we're very, very excited. I'm going to ask him what, you know, what are the ingredients in his secret sauce? What has helped him build his business to where it is today? So with all that being said, please join me in welcoming my friend and colleague, Mr. Jason Samard. Jason, how are you, buddy? Doing awesome. So which one is it? Did I, did I, you know, show you how to do it or how not to do it? You know what, what I will say, Braden, is that you showed me what great client service was. You were doing it follow up. You really showed us that you cared throughout the transaction. And then after the transaction, you did a really good job of staying in touch. So you really showed the, the value in working with your past clients. And I think just from the relationship that we had formed, I was able to refer you some clients because of the service that you provided and because of the uh, aftercare follow-up. So, man, uh, I I appreciate that. I just opened up the door for you to absolutely like tear into me. I, it was not the direction I was expecting. So, thank you. But uh, it would have been funnier if you totally made fun of me. Yeah, well, you know, um, I'll expect that that check in the mail later. Okay. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so, Jason, how long has it been since you've been in the market? So I started in real estate November 2015. So November I started 2015. Started after uh, life had kicked me in the butt. I had hit my lowest rock bottom point as an adult and through a divorce, unfortunately. Um, I had basically transitioned careers. So financially, I was at a rock bottom. And I thought, you know what? It's time that I took some risk on myself. I always believed in my potential. I always believed that I was capable of great things. But I had always played it safe. And, you know, you knew that, you know, from my bank manager days when I first met you, um, I, I think you always saw that I had some potential to do great things, but I was again playing it safe. So I finally decided November 2015 that I would go and I had a vision to build a company, not to be a realtor. And that was a different. Yeah, you were, you were an entrepreneur who was trapped within a lot of bureaucracy, a lot of red tape. Uh, you know, I, I, I could only imagine that was probably very, very stifling for you when you were doing that. Cause how long were you in the financial industry for? I was in that industry for 11 years. Yeah, that's a that's a long time to be feeling cooped up. Yeah, yeah. definitely. So, and then from that, you actually transitioned. Um, you had a sort of an in, interim period where you actually worked with a real estate technology company that specialized in marketing and whatnot. Obviously, that, that helped pave the way a little bit for uh, some of your experience and how you run your business. 
Yeah. So what that did is it, I mean, it showed me that there are ways to, to generate leads in the industry and that most realtors have no clue how to actually convert those and put proper systems in place. So I saw that obviously in 2015 at the time, the internet was a powerful tool. It still is a powerful tool today. Um, but most people have no idea how to really leverage that tool to build a successful real estate business. So that insight obviously helped me. Uh, I became obsessed with what are the best in the industry doing with their real estate companies? What are the things that they have in common? So I studied some of those. I was able to consult some of those people as well on, on their technology. And so that helped me pave the way and form uh, Sims Real Estate Group, which was I actually registered as a team from day one, hired an assistant three weeks into the business. And I remember, Braden, and I'm sure you do too, I had my Justin Timberlake headset on and I was literally inspecting daily. That's all I did. I just got start, got busy. And people thinking, who is this guy, this kid that's walking around the office prospecting? Who does he think he is hiring an assistant? I mean, I, I remember the feeling of, of what that was like. That was a humbling experience, but I knew I was very focused. And I knew exactly what I wanted to do. And as much as it sounded crazy to people at the time, I think those people are now realizing that, oh, okay, you know, this guy was onto something. There was like a very clear purpose. Well, I, I think that that headset was about all you and uh, JT have in common, but no, I, I remember the headset. Do you still have it? I, I actually have given it to one of my client care managers. Okay. You, you need to get that back and like put that on your mantle or something like that. Cause no, no, I get it. Uh, maybe a little bit later in our conversation, we can talk about, you know, adversity and, and you know, what it's like to, uh, you know, be, be brave enough to be a little different. Cause I definitely know uh, that that was something that you faced early on in your career. But, you know, I, I'm curious. I mean, one of the things that, that really impressed me about you when, when you were getting started is I remember we were having lunch. This is probably, I don't know, like a month or two before you actually got licensed at, at Saigon Kitchen next to the office, right? And and you pull out, out of your briefcase essentially a business plan. I think you might even have had it laminated or something like that. It, it looked pretty nerdy. I'm not going to lie. But it really impressed me because you had put a lot of thought and consideration into um, how you want to approach this business before you even were in it. I, and, and what I find is experience is, is usually the best teacher. And yet you had already had an idea of how you wanted to go about this. You, you, and you had a game plan. So can you tell me a little bit about that game plan and like what you thought you were going to do to differentiate yourself early on? And then I'd be curious to also know how has that plan changed over time? Sure. So with, with the market that I'm in, which is Nanaimo, there's a lot of successful agents here. I mean, there, there's some mega, mega agents that I've looked up to for years and that are just producing at insane levels, male, female, teams, individual agents, you name it, we have some really good agents here. So what I realized quickly was like, okay, what are the gaps? I've always been a kind of a contrarian. I don't want to do what everybody else is doing. I want to be a leader. And so I analyzed and I stood, stood back and I said, okay, where are the gaps? And to me, social media was a huge gap in the marketplace. I didn't see anybody really, really utilizing that to their full potential. Uh, I didn't see anybody building a really strong internet business. And I saw some gaps in service. So my focus was, was to be able to execute a very clear plan. And I, I called it my three foundational pillars. I would have three specific pillars of marketing that I would focus on, which would allow me to make very simple decisions, aka not get shiny object syndrome, which is a very common thing. Realtors are the most marketed to people in the world. There's always some new way that you can build your business. But the thing is, is most of that's a distraction. 
And so for me, having those three pillars was super foundational into me being very focused on one thing. And my one thing was being able to be on the phone, talking to buyers and sellers, qualifying them and working with people. And so prospecting was literally everything that I spent my time on. The reason I got an assistant three weeks into the business was so that all the administration could be taken off my plate so I could focus on what I do best, which is building relationships and you know getting some momentum, getting a pipeline. Mm-hmm. So hopefully that gives you a little insight. Yeah, and, and you know, you mentioned social media, you talk about client service, you talk about um, internet business and whatnot. So those, those three pillars specifically, like if you could label them uh, just to give some more context, like what would you put on those three pillars? So for sure. So one of my pillars is, is, is internet leads, I call them. And so that's multiple sources. That's Facebook, that's Google, uh, that could be stuff that you're getting from realtor.ca, rew.ca, I mean, all sorts of different sites. But basically, any lead generation that we're generating from the internet, that's that one pillar. So I put a, a good amount of marketing dollars behind that pillar, and it's a very successful part of our business. The second pillar is the social media aspect. And a lot of people are like, well, that's the internet. Yes, but the social media play for me was the branding aspect, getting mind share. We've been able to put some really amazing content out there. We put a very high quality level of, of marketing on every listing and we make sure there's a key branding component to it so people know who we are. So we were able to develop a, a presence in the marketplace very, very quickly by executing on those first two pillars. Then the third one, of course, is our is referrals, something that I've seen from yourself and other really successful agents is the importance of staying in touch with your past clients, making sure that there's a plan for follow-up and that they could become a very big part of your business if you nurture those relationships. So we've put a lot of focus on that as well. Those are the three pillars to our business. We haven't deviated from it uh, and it's made a tremendous, tremendous impact in our business because now we're in our third year and those things have had time to mature and we've had time to improve on all three of those pillars. Uh, thank you for sharing that. And, and, you know, I really think that at a strategic level, it was uh, pretty impressive to see uh, all, you know, all the planning that you had right down from here are the pillars, but then working it down to from lead generation to how you're going to service the clients, how you're going to follow up with them, you know, right down to the tactical level of what do you say when you're on the phone with people? Um, you know, you strike me as a person who's probably not afraid of trying to follow a script if you know what's going to work, right? Yeah. You know what? I, so I'm not the most scripted human being. Um, However, I do believe in processes. And so that's what I train my people to is following a proper process. When it comes to the phone, phone calls that we're making, again, there was a process there that was being developed. So I cater that to the individuals on the team based on their personalities, but the framework and the processes are the same. You know, we're really focused on getting to understand what our client needs are, what their whys, what are the reasons for buying a home or what are the reasons for selling that's been a critical, uh, important aspect into us being able to build these very deep relationships with clients. Because I truly believe until I understand where you're coming from, I can't properly serve you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's having that empathy to being able to connect with people where they're at. Um, so I, I want to I ask you then, because we, we talked before this interview a lot about your, your approach and your philosophy. And that's actually where I want to shine some light on, because I think it's really easy for people to make the assumption. They look at you say your branding play, you're, you know, you're, you're on social media a lot. You, you boost your posts, you, you create video content. Um, you know, you're, you're really heavy with contests and things like that. So it's really easy to assume that that's what's bringing your success. But, you know, if you could talk a little bit more on a philosophical level, you know, baked into the operation system, um, 
Tell us a little bit more about your approach to business. You actually have a term that you like to throw out there. Yeah, I think our industry is very agent centric, which is look at me, I'm the best, I sell the most homes. Uh, it's very ego driven. You know, the advertising even is a picture of the agents and things like that. And, and, you know, we've all been caught up in being part of that. However, what I've really focused on is creating a client centric business. Because the truth is, without clients, I have, I can't feed my family. My teammates can't feed their families. Like we have no business without them. And so if we focus on the client and creating the absolute best experience in the most stressful transaction of their life, that will help us build a successful long-term business. Always doing the right thing for a client, never focusing on a short-term result or a commission, but always focusing on the long-term result, which is a relationship with a client. And that means, you know what? Sometimes it means you always point the finger at yourself right? Don't make excuses. Things happen sometimes that are out of your control. And instead of getting in a tug of war with your client, just own it and fix it. Because at the end of the day, well, we're not perfect. We're never going to do any, everything perfect, but it's how our clients feel about the service that we're providing them, the work that we're doing for them that matters. And that's been our whole philosophy is make it about the client. Cause I don't think they truly care, you know, what our ranking is, how many sales we've made. I think what they care about is, are we helping them achieve their goals? For example, a seller, can we help them net the absolute highest amount possible for that property? Buyer, are we able to help them make a really smart buying decision into a home that's going to allow them to have financial a financial future, but also security and stability for their families? Like those are the things that really matter to our clients. I don't think they care so much about the stats. Mm -hmm. So when you use that phrase client centric, like is that something that was in your plan from the beginning or is that a concept that's developed over time? No, that was like, that was always going to be part of, of our focus was like, how can we create a distinguished experience for a client? How can we provide a higher level of service? And for me, we have five support staff in our company for five salespeople. Why do we do that? Well, number one, we feel we can provide a higher level of service to a client. We can better service them. We can create a better experience when we work collaboratively as a team. And so why, why I did that early on was because service was number one for me. And I always wanted to make sure that our clients felt supported. Yeah, that's, that's a, quite an amazing compliment of a team that you've built there. Uh, I, I'm curious if, if you were working as an individual agent, because many of the, the people who do watch the show are individual agents, like how would you take that client centric approach and install that into your business as a solo entrepreneur? That's a really good question. I mean, if I was a sing, if I was a single agent and I wasn't leveraging the way that I do, um, I, I certainly would focus on you know not having a hundred clients to service because you're just not going to do a great job. I would focus on having you know five to ten quality prospects that I'm working with at a time and making sure that I'm providing the highest level of service possible, which means prompt follow up, setting proper expectations early on in the relationship with those clients. Um, you know, it's okay. And this is something I'm learning from some of the veterans in the business. It's okay to set up boundaries with your clients as well. You know, what kind of expectations can they expect from you? You know, you're going to be available during these times. It's reasonable for me to get back to you in these timelines. Uh, and if you create those boundaries early on, which I didn't do, I'll admit that, but I'm starting to put those boundaries, clients will respect that. And I think those would be some really good practices that I would encourage anybody to get into is create some boundaries early on with your clients. And uh, don't, you don't have to take on too much. If you focus on quality conversations and have a, a manageable amount of prospects, you'll do a way better job than if you just have way too many things on the go. Um, and then the next thing is, is once you hit certain key milestones, you know, for example, I think 
35 to 40 transactions a year would warrant an assistant. I think that would be a smart investment for somebody that's doing that level of business to look at getting an assistant who can do the admin tasks, you know, those tasks that might not have the same return on your time uh, that would be better served by someone who's probably a specialist in that area. So you can focus more of your time and energy doing the higher income generating activities, which are, you know, obviously helping people buy and sell real estate. Yeah. yeah and and I want to take you back, back to, to the first, the first three, months three months of your business. Your business. Um, um, I'm getting some, I'm getting some feedback. feedback. Is it possible to turn your volume down and touch? Oh, there we go. Thanks, man. The uh, the glory of live broadcasting. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you. Oh, sweet. Thank you. Um, yeah, what do I do with my hands? <laughs> uh, so, you know, it, it hasn't always been easy. And it's not to say that it's it's easy for you now, because I think there's always going to be challenges. I, like, I remember uh, reading the 10x rule by Grant Cardone, and he talks about, you know, you're always just trading up your problems. So, you know, the idea that you're going to be problem free is, is a bit of a fallacy. It's, you know, that you're trading up from rookie problems to intermediate problems and from intermediate to advanced. But Take us back to your mindset in those first 90 days because you, you came into the industry with a great plan. Uh, you started making pretty heavy investments, including hiring people and marketing. And you know that it takes time for things to mature in this business. It's not an instant gratification one. So like, was it difficult to stay the course on, on your client-centric uh, model or you know, how did you stick to it? I'm just, I want to hear more about your mindset during that period. Sure. So, I mean, I remember my first two days at Remax Sanaimo, and I'm sitting there with a tremendous level of anxiety, something that, you know, I have felt before, but this was like on a new level. I literally went all in on a business with an idea and a plan, but I had absolutely nothing on the go, nothing. And I remember speaking to one of my really good friends at the time and just kind of saying, man, like I've got these legends walking down the hall and like, I've got this crazy plan and I've forward some money and like I'm going to do this this thing and he said dude you got to focus on what you do best which is you're really good with people you got to focus on on just the ac actions that you have control of which was part of my business plan was to focus on what I had control of was my daily activities and mm -hmm. so that's what I did I mean it was scary it was it, uh, there was a lot of anxious moments in the beginning there still is as you expand the business you're right you trade up problems and things constantly never go perfect you're always having to adjust things um, but I, I do remember very clearly that first three months being the scariest. However, what I realized by taking massive levels of action and being very tunnel visioned and focused on, on my goals and my plan and the vision that I had for the company we were building, that things just started happening. Things started falling into play. And I kept my focus on the things that really do matter in real estate because at the end of the day, it is a simple business. It's just really, really hard work and there's a lot of stress. And it's not a nine to five, but it's mm -hmm. a simple business in the sense that it's about creating outstanding relationships, following up, providing value, prospecting, all, all those key things. Those are the only things that will generate any income in real estate is having leads and a pipeline of people to continually talk to. So that's all I focused on. And you remember the days with the headsets, doing the bomb bomb videos, following up, texting, emailing, calling, and just kept doing that. And all of a sudden, next thing you know, I had a huge pipeline going. And then I hired my first person four months into the business or my second person four months into the business who I brought in and, you know, helped him develop his business. And now he's a superstar. And so 
to me, it, it's all action based. Right? And mm -hmm. most what got me through it was the actions. Mm -hmm. you, you talk a lot about focus and and being able to stick to your plan. I, I'm curious, like you know, everyone's got a, a different way that they hit the reset button when they get overwhelmed. Like, how do you do it? What what when you feel like you're being your focus is straining or you're getting distracted? What do you do to bring yourself back on track? Well, it happens to all of us, including myself. So what I focus on the things I have control over, because there's a lot of things I don't have control over. But what I have control over is my output, my actions. So if I feel like, you know, I don't have enough business on the go, I pick up the phone and I start, I start following up and I start talking to my past clients and I start networking and I start doing those activities that I know are going to produce the result. And that is something that I have control over. And so when I'm having those anxious moments, instead of just sitting back doing nothing, I just take more action than I normally would. And that's usually the best way to sort of get through a slump is just massive, massive levels of action because that's something you have control over. And when you feel like you're in control, you're going to, you're just going to get more momentum. And it's about moving the yardsticks forward. It's not a business that's exactly the same every day. Every day is a new challenge. However, there's an abundance of opportunities if you have the right mindset for it and you're putting the right activities forward. If you're struggling in your business, but if you were to give yourself an honest assessment and say, look, I haven't done any prospecting. I haven't been following up. I haven't been doing the activities. Well, it's pretty obvious where you need to put your attention and focus. So when you know that, that's kind of empowering because it's a simple fix. It's always action. Action will fix every problem in your real estate business. There's not a shiny object or a new pill or a new tool. It's activities that will fix every problem every time in any market. I do believe that I think in a good market, a bad market, there's always opportunity. It's just how you approach it. And mm -hmm. You know, I'm not under the illusion to think that we're always going to have these great markets. I know that there's going to be tougher markets in the future. However, my mindset and my actions and everything will reflect that. If we have to work twice as hard, three times as hard, that's just what we're going to have to do. And, and we're willing to do that. That answer the question. It's not rocket science. It's just action. And I think not enough people take massive levels of action. And that's why they're not getting the results they want. That's the difference between a high producer and somebody who's maybe not producing at their level. It's not because the high producer is smarter or better than that person. I guarantee you it's probably because they're willing to take levels of action that the other person isn't. Mm -hmm. So can you add a little bit of context to when you say action, like you, you, you've alluded to a few different things, but like, so let's say that you, you go away on a sabbatical for a year, your pipeline dries up, you're, you've, you've been out of touch with your past clients, like you're very slow, you're starting from a full stop. What's the first couple things you do? Okay, well, number one, if, if you're a new agent and, and you don't have any like you don't have any momentum and you're trying to build from, from scratch, is that what you're asking me? Yes. Like, what would I do? Or if I'm just coming back into the business, what would I do? Number I, one, I want to know what would you do? What would I do? Okay, well, number one, if I didn't have a lot of budget, I would find an agent in my marketplace who has a lot of lead generation that they're doing nothing with or doing a very poor job with. I would offer them a very generous split you know, maybe something like 50-50, no upfront cost to me, but on any deals that I can convert, I would pay them 50%. I would do that. I would immediately find those people and say, look, I'm hungry and I'm ready to get going. And I would start prospecting and following up. Immediately, I would have a lead source. Second thing I would do is I would focus on things uh, like open houses. I would probably be doing two to three open houses every single week with a deliberate, a deliberate plan to make it as a big open house where maybe I'm calling the neighborhood, door knocking the neighborhood, whatever it is, 
but I would have a very specific and deliberate plan. Cause I know if I consistently did two or three open houses a week, the likelihood of me being able to get, you know, one or two prospects per open house is pretty high, especially if I did that consistently. So that immediately would get me some more momentum, but I would just focus on the sales activities immediately. Uh, if I had some budget behind me, I would focus on getting a lead source, something that I could be following up with. Um, I would be calling all my past clients and just checking in with them and having conversations like, hey, what are your real estate goals in 2018? What have you been up to? How are you enjoying the house that I sold you two years ago, three years, whatever it is. But the key thing here, Braden, again, is I'd be on the phones talking to people. The phone is the most powerful tool that we have. Yet so many people feel like it weighs a thousand pounds. Is that, is why, that you why you got the Justin Timberlake headset? That's why I got the Justin Timberlake headset. My hands were free so I could talk and I could stand and pace and, you know, disrupt everybody at my office because I'm loud. But it, it, I'm telling you, it was, it was so powerful because I had control over my activities. And it's just like if you want to be fit, you want to be healthy, you have to go to the gym. You have to eat right. And it's the activities you do every single day that will get you to that goal. It's no different in real estate. And it's a simple formula. You need leads. So leads are people to talk to, qualified buyers or sellers. You need that. You need a pipeline. And then you need skills. So the other thing I would focus on is my skills. So finding an accountability partner, finding people that are having success. What are some things that they're working uh, for them? Talk to them. I, I'm shocked how many people uh, in my marketplace that, that aren't willing to approach me because if they did, I would happily help them. And in fact, I have helped people in my own marketplace because I believe in abundance. I want, you know, I want to see people succeed. I want to see all the people that I work with succeed. Um, to me, that's important. So collaboration, there's a lot of agents that are willing to be open if you just ask them and, you know, they'll give you a little piece of information here or there that can make an impact. So. I, I have heard both from agents in our Nanaimo office and our Victoria office that they have come up and visited you for a day or hung around your office to see your processes. So, you know, that's uh, of, of one of the many things I do admire about your approach. Uh, your willingness to share uh, is, is definitely high on the list. So now I, I want to ask you about you starting your team because, you know, you're, you're a very driven person. And as you say, there's a lot of fantastic realtors out there that are very driven, uh, but it's an entirely different skill set to be able to instill shared values and work ethic in, in a group of people. You know, we talked a lot about from what you, when you started, but now you have a, a, a team of 10 people. I think it's like five or six realtors and five support staff. It's, it's, it's quite an operation. How do you, uh, instill the client-centric philosophies into your team? Well, number one, it comes down to the people that I recruit. So I look for specific personality types. And we have a big thing within the, the team is like, we don't want anybody to come in with a big ego. It can't be about the I or the individual. It's about the team. Because every single client we work with usually has two or three people that are servicing that client to give them the best experience to help them. So teamwork is everything. So I look for people that have similar core values there. Um, at the end of the day, being humble, being client-centric means, you know, you're always thinking about others first. It's the whole go-giver philosophy. One of my favorite books that changed my life was called The Go-Giver. And it's all about just serving other people all the time and, and not ha expecting anything in return, but just genuinely caring and, and helping others. So I have two, two sets of clients. I have my team or my client that I work for and serve daily, and then my clients that I serve daily as well. And so 
instilling that as a value corporately for us was, was just made a lot of sense early on. Uh, so I looked for good people. I, I don't necessarily hire people based on their past experience, but I hire them based on their attitude, their people skills. And I look for their one thing. What's their one thing that they excel at? And then I create opportunities around that. So uh, for us, we're a big fan of not having jack of all trades, masters of none. We focus on one thing. So we have departments that specific, specifically cater to strengths that people have. And, and I'm the same. My whole business is built around my strengths. What I do every day is within my strengths. The stuff that I'm not good at, I have other people who that is their strength. And I think that's the power of building a team is the leverage is being able to be self-aware and know what you're genuinely good at, but also know what you're not good at. And instead of wasting your time trying to master that, focus your energy on finding the quality people that solve that puzzle. And, you know, I've, I've watched and observed some of the best teams in, in North America. How did they do it? Well, I think it was the quality of their people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and what you're saying, it's, it's almost in some respects, like your, your team was built around your, your weaknesses as opposed to your strengths. Cause you've identified, you know, what do you either not enjoy or struggle with and, and filled those spots with people that your, your pain is, is their pleasure. They love doing those roles. Hundred percent. I mean, somebody in an administration role is in that role because they have a passion, usually for things being organized. They like putting processes in play. They like having, you know, order. Uh, they enjoy that. Well, perfect. That's not me. I don't love that, and I know I'm not great at it. And I've never ever had feedback that Jason's awesome administration. So for me to try and master that makes no sense. Mm-hmm. However, what I'm really good at is on the communication side. You know, that's the building relationships, building trust, building rapport. Those are all genuine things that I'm really comfortable at. Prospecting is something I'm good at. So for me to work within that, 95% of my time makes a lot of sense. So our client care team who are on the phones, they're licensed realtors following up with a lot of our, our prospects, they're people. They love people. They're people people, if that makes sense. And so that's what their one thing is. They're really good on the phones. They build trust and rapport and value, and they're such an integral part of our business. But again, that's their one thing. And so that's sort of everything that our business is built on is everybody just kind of really mastering their one thing and then spending 95% of their time doing it. Mm-hmm. It's like a football team. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Everyone's got their own, their own role. Going to try and be a, a linebacker, you know, and the linebacker's not going to try to be a quarterback, but mm-hmm. if they focus on doing their job really well, the, the team is going to just thrive. Now it all sounds great when things are going really well, but do you mind sharing a little bit with some of the challenges that you've had? Uh, I don't actually know. Have you had any turnover on your team? Have you had any people who maybe weren't a great fit at first or, or anything like that that um, you want to share with us? Well, we had one guy that we brought on board who unfortunately failed his real estate exam twice. So that didn't work out, not because we didn't like him, but just that just didn't work out. So um, we fortunately have, I'm knocking on what as I say this, but we haven't had we haven't had turnover as a team. Part of that is also the culture that we've developed. Like I treat everybody that I work with like my business partners because they absolutely are. At the end of the day, this business exists because of all the people within it that play a key role. And I do something like I do a profit share program for everybody within our organization. And to me, that's incredibly important that they are vested in the success of the company. And so we're, we're thinking five, 10 years ahead. So we're always looking ahead. What are we, where are we going to be in, in a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now? What are some of the other 
business lines that we're going to get into in the future that will provide security for all the business partners that work with me. And so my job as sort of the, the visionary, the leader of the, of the company is to make sure that these people are always going to have opportunity and be well cared for. So um, I think part of it is, is the fact that we have this collaborative approach. It's a, a good culture where people are almost like a family, right? People get along really well and uh, have a common goal, which is to serve our clients and provide an outstanding experience. And we all have a passion for the work that we do. And I think that helps. So is there challenges? Of course, sometimes you get personality conflicts in an office and those you know need to be resolved. Those things happen. I mean, just like any family, there's always some dysfunction. So uh, we're not immune to that. But at the end of the day, we all care for one another and we all have each other's back and we all want to see everybody succeed. So that's important to us. How do you see your team dynamic evolving over time? You talked about having that vision five, 10 years in the road. Like when you look into that crystal ball, what do you see? Well, number one, I, I need to create career paths for the people within the organization. We have other business lines that we aspire to get into, which I won't get into today, but they they relate to you know our whole giving philosophy and, and serving others. So, you know, those are things that we want to do. But ultimately, I think it's just a matter of creating a system that's successful and isn't based on one individual. That's why I never called it the Jason Smart team. Sims Real Estate Group is its own entity and it's its own brand. And it's, you know, the company that we're all developing together. And it's not based on one individual. It's based on a collective effort. So five, 10 years. I mean, we set really high goals for ourselves. We want to become a leader in the industry. Obviously, that's something that's important to us. And we want to build collaborative relationships along the way. And uh, yeah, I mean, we, we have some pretty high goals, but I'm not going to put, put them out there publicly. But, you know, we want to be a leader, put it that way. Absolutely. And, and for you personally, what's, what's next? You, I know you, uh, you have a lot of ambitions. We've talked over the, the years about, you know, coaching and, and training and all those sorts of things. Like, do you have any plans that you mind sharing as far as what you want to see yourself doing? Well, definitely in the future, I would love to help people create a business that a they can enjoy the fruits of their labor b can walk away from and i think too many realtors unfortunately if they were to walk out their office and get hit by a coke truck today would have zero income coming in from their real estate business for their families and so that's something that i'm looking to build for myself and i'm looking to build that kind of freedom for people around me so absolutely one day i do want to help others be able to create that opportunity for themselves. So coaching is definitely one of the business lines we're going to get into in the future because it's a passion that I have. I love serving others. I love helping. And I'm definitely of the abundance mindset. So there's no secrets in real estate. That's the one thing. You know this, Braden, better than anybody. You've interviewed lots of really talented people. And there's a common link. There is no secrets. There's people that are secretive, but the secrets to success in real estate are not a secret. So it's not wrong. really the, the secret is the application of the ideas really, as you say, I mean, you don't need to tell me anymore how much taking action is, is a huge uh, value for you. Cause we, I think we all get it. It's, it's really important. Um, I want to wrap up just by asking like, you know, we, as we talk about coaching and, and, you know, advice, like as you see the, the market changing um, you know, what advice would you be giving right now to any of the members of your team? Like maybe someone's in a slump, maybe someone's just looking to hit that next, um, that next mark in their business. Like what sort of things are you sharing with your team to sort of keep them focused and motivated to move forward? Yeah. Well, I think number one is slumps can happen to everybody. They can happen to the best people. So understanding that that is part of the business and focusing on what you have control over. And so it's so easy to say, oh, the market's 
dropping and things aren't going well and interest rates are up and we have a new government that's trying to cool the market down and all these outside factors are always going to be there and they're never not going to be there. I've talked to some people that have been in the industry for a long time. They're like, Jason, every single year, it seems like by January, there's some new policy or something that's putting a wrench in, in the potential, but yet somehow we just manage to be successful every year. Well, I think part of it is focusing on what you have control over. So the finger should be pointed at yourself. So I always remind my team, if you're not as busy as you want to be, give yourself an honest assessment. Have you been prospecting daily? Have you been following the plan that we've laid out for you? And if you can't truthfully answer that with a yes, then you know where you need to focus. And if you just do that consistently, things will start happening again. Your pipeline will build back up and all of a sudden things will fall, fall together. But it's all on you. It's an action-based business. My job is I create the environment for people to be successful in. I create the opportunities um, but they have to make, they have to do the hard work and, and that's just the fact. So when the market shifts, if your mindset is positive, you've adjusted your game and your strategy and your conversations to adjust to that market. Cause there'll be great buying opportunities when that happens. Um, you'll, I think we'll be able to be successful and continue to pick up market share during that time frame. And I think for those that are poised and thinking positively about that and have a plan of action, they'll thrive. You could, I've heard of people actually increasing their market share in a downturn mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. why couldn't we be those people? Yeah. 100%. No, that's, that's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing. And, uh, you know, you, you were very generous to offer the invite for people to pick your brain or drop you a line. So if someone wanted to connect with you, what would be the best way for them to do that? Uh, you know what? Shoot, shoot me an email, Jason at Sims real estate.ca. Uh, Send me a text. You can Wait, I'm going to try for the very first time ever using the on-screen feature. You ready for this? So it's Jason. Okay. At Sims, S-I-M-S, realestate.ca. Okay, let's give this a shot. Holy smokes, there it is, oh. right on the screen. Wow, technology, amazing. So Jason, thanks so much, man. I really appreciate it. I always appreciate your mindset. Every time you and I uh, get off the phone, I always feel a little bit better about what's going on. So I appreciate it, and uh, I look forward to chatting with you very, very soon. Awesome. Thanks so much for the opportunity, Braden. You're putting on a great show and, and it's humbling to be on here. I've had some amazing guests and just the fact that you even thought of me mounted a lot. So uh, again, awesome. you know, outside of friendship, you're actually a really, really great guy and you do a really good job at what you do. So thank you for that. Thanks, man. That means a lot. Thanks for being cool. Thank you. All right, guys, there you have it. Jason Samard on the Vancouver Island Real Estate Show. What an awesome guy. It's a pleasure to see Jason grow and, and succeed. And, you know, one of the things that I, I really enjoy about working with him at Remax is that he's always eager to learn and listen. So uh, he, just like uh, everyone else that I'm talking with, is has got that abundance mindset and is really always looking at trying to trade best practices with people. And so, you know, he's, he, likes to be in conversations where he's the teacher, but he also likes to be in rooms where he's the student. So I, I have a lot of respect for that. Uh, next week, we've got a great guest. We have Stephanie Arnold, who's going to be coming on the show, uh, talking a little bit about Facebook marketing 101. So we're going to talk about how we can market to your database. You know, the clients that are in your CRM, if you haven't engaged with them in a while through, you know, top producer or whatever CRM you use, uh, she's going to show us uh, and talk about how we can do that for, um, our database on Facebook. We're going to change the time next week. We're going to be on at 2 p.m. next uh, Tuesday as opposed to the 11.15. So stay tuned for that. And I'll look forward to seeing you guys soon. Thanks so much. Bye for now.